Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Typically, the minute we stopped recording our previous episode, Stoke sat Gary Rower and then it was a very short chase for a new manager. Nathan Jones is in at Stoke and to get the lowdown on him, we spoke to James Richards from the D3D4 podcast and Luton fan Steve Moore. Welcome to James from D3D4 Football, a uh, podcast all about the uh, about League One and League Two, uh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we uh, we have a website and podcast dedicated just to the uh, third and fourth tier, hence D3D4, standing for kind of old school Division 3, Division 4, it was always called when I was growing up. Yeah, uh, uh, fantastic. And so the reason that we're speaking to you is because Nathan Jones, the new Stoke City manager, uh, is a guy that a lot of Stoke fans are confessing to having not heard of before yesterday, uh, but in a short space of time he's the man chosen to replace Gary Rowett as Stoke manager uh, as someone who's uh, witnessed his rise through the leagues what what have you made of the appointment uh well firstly the fact that Stoke fans have said they they don't really know much about him or haven't heard of him is is to me a bit shocking because i think Stoke as a club have done extremely well to attract Nathan Jones to you guys at this time i think he's such a talented manager um he's proved just how well he can run a club what he's done at Luton I think is in such a short space of time relatively is is remarkable um and he's a man that you're you're going to fall in love with I think Luton fans are devastated the fact that he's left he has transformed their club and taking them on this roller coaster ride, and I, you know, if he had stayed, there's, I have no doubt that it would have carried on on an upward traje- traje- uh, trajectory. I think, you know, if you look at what he achieved and how he implements all his philosophies, if he's given time, and you know, you, you know, all the Stoke fans listen to this, I urge you all to give him time. It's it's never easy when a club is just come down. I suppose you guys just come down from the Premier League. You've already seen that Gary Rout has been unable to um, transform you guys into into a team sort of going in the in the direction you'd all hope but i think with nathan jones he is a cut above uh, gary rout if i'm honest just the way he goes about his business so yeah you're extremely lucky to have him well well that's definitely music to our ears and uh it was kind of a left field appointment for us because uh the the names that were instantly linked with us were the likes of david moyes and sam allardyce managers who have experience, yes, but were kind of seen as maybe in that old school British manager mer- merry-go-round, and so Nathan both both would have been dreadful appointments as well. Uh, there's definitely an argument to be made for that. Um, but in Jones, we've got a exciting young manager. I wondered if you could tell me a bit more about the the philosophies he's tried to implement at Luton. Uh, how how has he got them playing? What what what's kind of his his style and his approach to management? Right, well, if, if Nathan Jones is, is, if you don't know him, he's a very driven character, um, very bright, fluent in Spanish, went out and played in Spain as a 21-year-old, um, fully embedded himself in the culture out there at such a young age, learned quite a lot, I think it's fair to say. Um, and after he finished his playing career at Yeovil, he had a stint with the uh, the youth team at Charlton Athletic. And it is a lot of the players that he worked with ended up going on to have very good uh, top flight careers uh, most of those guys he worked with are still very much in the professional game higher than 
you'd expect them to perhaps be. And when he works with the team, so what he'll do at Stoke, firstly, is he will probably do a roots and roots and all sort of review of who you've got at the club and, and what uh, abilities and players that you have there. But the, the tactical uh, system that he uses is like this is a four four two diamond. And there's no manager that I've ever met better at getting fullbacks to bomb down and, and get balls in. I mean, he transforms fullbacks um, from, you know, people that have perhaps haven't done very well at other clubs to being absolute ballers. You know, his best players um, at Luton were people like Jack Stacey, James Justin, um, Dan Potts, the, the, you know, the, the guys who would play at fullback. And he plays in diamond with no protection in front of them, but he play, makes them take risks, play a very attacking style. Um, and he has studied this this uh, formation. It's not something that he's just sort of stumbled upon. He took some advice from from several people about that formation. He then studied it um, and really implements like how you should press off the ball with it, what you should do when in possession, where your players should be when they've got the ball. And if you've watched Luton this season at all, um, and I doubt many Stoke fans perhaps have, Perhaps go on, have, on YouTube and have a look at some of the clips of Luton Town's recent matches, if you can find them, because they've blown teams away. Uh, they recently beat Plymouth 5-0 at home. And Plymouth, you know, OK, they are a struggling team, but they set up with a very defensive outlook. And, and the way that he got his guys to pass them off the park uh, was was a joy to behold. And he's done this to teams, you know, all season. Um, and, I, you know, it's the fact that Luton Town, who were uh, promoted from League 2 last season are sitting currently second in League 1 kind of uh, tells its own story with regards to recruitment he never takes risks so you will not see the kind of uh, forgive me for saying this but kind of shambolic recruitment that Stoke fans might have might have gotten used to where you, you get in players who don't have the attitude character is a huge part of what Nathan Jones will look at when he signs a player they never take they have this red, red flag uh, philosophy so if there's a red flag on character or an injury record um, then they will not take a risk and that's what he was doing at Luton and it might be slightly different at Stoke because of course you're a bigger club with a bigger budget and, and taking a risk perhaps will not damage you long term so much as it would for a club like Luton but I certainly wouldn't expect him to change that uh, that recruitment drive and that attention to detail and you're going to get in a bunch of guys that he can mold into the system that he wants to play i mean you're, you're going to love it you're going to play some really exciting football but i i just don't know how long it will take him to get the current group of players that you have used to that system it does take time hmm. um you, you mentioned there about his approach to transfers and he's definitely made a kind of when he first arrived at Luton, he made a wholesale change to the squad so i read uh what kind of budget did he have at Luton if any because uh, obviously w- one of the things I imagine will be vastly different with this job is we're the highest spenders in the championship I don't know what Luton's operating budget was in terms of uh, where you know other League 1 and League 2 sides but is he a, a guy who, who finds gems for, for very little he, he he does I mean I mean he he will I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Luton for a couple of players. Um, my first first thought when I saw that he'd, he'd gone was James Justin will probably join him. and uh, Luton fans will probably be disappointed to hear that. But I think if I've seen anything in James Justin, it is the potential to play at a much higher level. He's I think he's 19 or 20, plays right back or left back in equal, um, com- you know, in, in, in equal comfort. 
and I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he goes back to grab a player like that. What he does do, though, before he'll bring in any players, is look at what you've got there and decide whether um, those characters are right for what he wants to do. The first thing he did at Luton was he, he told basically what he was expecting of people, and those that he thought couldn't hack it were quickly shown the door. And uh, those that jumped on board and, and bought his philosophy, he then went about trying to find how to get the best out of them in the system that he wanted to play. So for you guys, I mean, the fact that he speaks fluent Spanish, um, I believe Bojan is still on the books at Stoke, mm. is that correct? Yeah, he is. He's been yeah, there. I, I would be surprised to, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a, get a chance back in the team um, and maybe be transformed. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, you know, that's the kind of thing he does. He'll get... Um, everyone on board with his philosophy and his tactics and it's a it's a you know it's amazing to watch how tactically he got Luton as a well-oiled machine you you knew that every single player knew their job there was never any of this well we don't know what we don't know what we're doing tactically here we're all over the place you know it's he had an exacting philosophy on how he wanted the club to play and player bought into it they didn't they weren't in the club they were they were shown the door regarding budgets Luton had a, a decent budget because they're a well-supported club um you know compared to some of those in league two and league one but you know, again, um, he has a he had a policy where he wouldn't take players on loan unless he absolutely had to. So uh, George Grant, who you loaned in from Nottingham Forest, was an exception because Luton couldn't afford to buy him, and and they still felt that he was a good fit for what what the, the system he wanted to play. So, um, but in 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 your squad, you'll find that he'll get the best out of the players that you've got, and he will probably make some of the guys you think are not going to be able to make it um, you'll probably see them be transformed I wouldn't be surprised to see at least two or three examples of that Well, that, that's again fa- fantastic to hear um, you've obviously interviewed him for D3D4 uh, podcast uh, first of all how did you find that experience of interviewing him and how was he with you guys in terms of uh, just his, his personality I suppose um, he's he's intense um, you know he, he really has that drive and that intensive character. You can see it. I mean, if you go and watch videos of how he comes off the pitch after matches where Luton have won, you know, he's thumping his chest, you know, he's shouting, um, uh, sometimes in expletives, to be fair, like <laughs> at the crowd and how, how much he loves it. And, you know, he's, he's, he's that kind of character. But when, you know, when he spoke to me, actually, um, he was generous with his time, gave me, you know, an hour and a half, I think we had 20 or so questions from fans, which he answered every single one openly and honestly, um, obviously where he, where he could. And um, he, yeah, he comes across as a really nice bloke, genuinely wants to do well. Um, he's a, he's a religious man, you know, believes in God. And um, that's a very big part of his, his character and how he conducts himself. So I think, uh, for Stoke, who have had, I mean, he won't take falls lightly either. And you know, your club, we, we all heard the Charlie Adam interview about the attitude that players were showing in your Premier League relegation season. You won't get that under Nathan Jones. He will not suffer that at all. Um, and I think, you know, like I say, the fact that your fans haven't heard of him strikes me as um, it's for me who covers him on a regular basis, and he's one of the biggest characters in League One. You know. You, I think you've done very well to get him, and forgive me for saying this, but I think he could have done better than going to Stoke City right now, as as the club stands right now. So, you know, you you 
you're yeah you're gonna you're gonna love it you know what a journey he should be able to take you on and i think patience though is, is an important preaching word here because fans are very fickle they they want immediate success and i'm one who thinks that managers never get enough time but if you give someone like nathan jones time i mean he he did what he did at luton in what two and a half three years and he laid the foundations of their success now you know 18 months ago and he was telling me about that it was all a long-term plan it's it's nothing that things aren't done without careful and meticulous detail with nathan jones yeah um i mean when we got relegated to the championship i mean there's a a sizable proportion of our fans who didn't know anything about the league we were going into either so expecting uh, for, for a few of us you know if we don't know about the championship we we're not going to know about nathan jones as as maybe sad as that is for for you guys to hear uh, and it's definitely arrogance and you know entitlement on the part of our fans but the the more we're learning about nathan jones the the more we're excited absolutely and and just i think there is a having been a club that had Tony Pulis for so long, Mark Hughes for so long, and then to quickly rattle through Paul Lambert, then Gary Rowett. I think there is a maybe kind of a stock taking now, which may maybe gives me hope that we will be very patient with Nathan Jones. And, and I, I really hope that we don't demand instant success given the, the state of the club at the moment. One final thing I want to ask you about is, his ambition, Gary Rowett was a, a manager who, when he joined us, was kind of... A, a Birmingham fans and Derby fans uh, were very negative about him because they they saw him as a man whose ambition maybe out, outweighed his actual talent. They, they saw him as a man who just always was looking for the next job up. Uh, and do you sense that Nathan Jones sees his career going all the way all the way to the very top because like like you said he, he could have stayed at Luton and gone even higher with them build that foundation at a club who already adored him and it's like you say a bit a bit a bit of a maybe a risk to go to a club who isn't exactly flying at the moment so uh, do you see him wanting to build a, a really long-term project with Stoke yeah I mean he I was shocked that he left in in terms of he was doing so well with Luton. Um, you know, it's it it's it's, it's it, it, he admitted I think that it's the hardest decision he has ever made. I I mean every manager is ambitious, and also you have to look at it from the point of view of how many opportunities come along in football and how many managers, you know, make if if they don't take those opportunities, will they come along again? It's we've seen it at, P, at clubs before. Um, you know, Steve Tilson when he was doing well at Southend rejected a lot of jobs to stay loyal to the club and then ended up well i mean he's, he's not even in management anymore which you know it's just it's a risk to not take some opportunities when they come along i don't think his ambition outweighs his his passion to get a project going um i don't know i think he he probably thought long and hard about moving um I have to say I'm still a bit surprised that he has left with Luton doing so well. But Stoke is a club that perhaps he just saw huge potential, a passionate fan base similar to Luton that can get behind him. Um, an owner who's got the backing and funds that can, and the facilities already in place. Because remember, Luton have a big decision coming up in, in January about whether they'll be a, given permission to build a new stadium. Um, if that's rejected, you know that will severely hamper the club's Future. I hope it will be approved. And I think the 
the soundings uh, so far very positive. But you know, he, Nathan Jones has seen that Stoke's already got everything in place: the training facilities, the ground, the fan base, uh, the budget. So I think that's something that he will he'll grab hold of. And no, I don't see him as being overly ambitious. And and I don't think Stoke fans need to particularly worry about him coming along, having a good job, and then jumping onto the next one. I, I he tends to be a builder and i would imagine that he he'd definitely stay for the foreseeable future i mean you can never say with managers really and far be it for me to to sort of double guess what he he has planned for his future but um no i think stoke fans should just enjoy the ride they're about to go on because i think it's going to be very special james thank you very much for uh speaking to me uh, I'll put a link to your interview with Nathan Jones in our description and I'll also link this uh, uh, fantastic article on your website uh, written by a Luton Town fan, I'll just find his proper name to give him a shout out, uh, but there's a fantastic article on there about the uh, the job he did at Luton uh, from okay, his, his name his actual name is not on Twitter, from at LouisJ90 uh, so I'll link to that as well uh, and uh, if Stoke fans want to educate themselves on Leagues 1 and 2 uh, where can they find you and your podcast uh, well firstly you can find us on Twitter at D3D4Football uh, we have a website D3D4Football.com you'll find all our podcasts on there we do a weekly one uh, looking at all the action in League 1 and 2 often uh, have some pretty good interviews as well we, we just before Christmas did Nathan Jones and Danny Cowley uh, both very good guys gave us a lot of their time so yeah if you want to get the lowdown and keep an eye on what's happening in the third and fourth tier yeah where you'll go to uh, podcast and website for sure and I hope you uh, yeah I hope you enjoy I mean I'm sure Nathan Jones will be raiding uh, League 1 and 2 for some players that he thinks he can get a huge a huge amount out at Stoke City and, and push them don't need you to cry on the podcast although that would be that would be good material <laughs> uh well i'm not sure i'm not sure i'll do that i'm i i'm like i'm slightly more even-handed about it one of the big things i said when well when the job came up and he was first linked to it yesterday was it's the first job in the time he's been at the club where if i try and take my root town hat off i would take it mm. uh because well, frankly, the way I, I went to uni, obviously, up there, so I've kind of kept an eye on Stoke results since. So I, well, obviously don't know Matt as much about the club as a Stoke fan would, uh, I can kind of see why that would be a much more attractive proposition than, for example, Ipswich when that came up. I mean, the timing from a Luton perspective is horrific because not only the on-field stuff that is happening over the course of the next month, but with the summer and obviously... Sunderland, potentially Port- Portsmouth, which obviously could get moved depending on cup ties. Uh, Peterborough games all coming up, but off the field we've got two planning permission decisions, which will affect whether we get a new ground or not, which we've obviously been trying to do for about well over 60 years now. So as far as we consider this project, project lived and died on those two decisions, which obviously 
will take most of the owner's top, well, the consortium owns the club's time, so trying to make a long-term decision on the next route to manager is not primary in our thoughts over the course of next month because it's not the most important thing happening at our football club at the minute. But mm. as far as I see it from the outside, if I'm him, he's openly said that when he took the job, that he believes that his career, that, okay, he had a decent playing career at lower league levels, but he always felt that management could be his career, his big career, and he was never shy about saying that, and he didn't mention the name Barcelona a couple of times, even right at the start. So mm. I think, one, hopefully, after the initial anger from some Luton fans dissipates, they can kind of understand despite the timing. The way I see it is that Stoker, obviously, they've got everything in the project that is a lot further down the line than it is at Kenilworth Road. You have the ground, albeit that it's not the newest ground in the world, but it's a fine setup. You have one of the richest people in the country, as far as I see it, is the owner, and that money doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. With Bet365 still as successful as it's ever been, uh, you have the entire structure in place. Even from when I was up there at uni, you could see the entire structure was Premier League even before you were in the Premier League. But and also, he's a guy with a vision that likes to implement a long-term plan. And in comparison with other clubs, even if he was to stay and, say, complete the job with, so to speak, and get us into the championship, maybe the jobs for his next level, which would obviously be to try and get a side established in the Premier League, which he would have to do before he'd even consider being taken on by a top-half Premier League side or one of the big sides, which would obviously be his next aim after that. Uh, he might not get a job where he'll be given the time looking at it from the outside, as he would at Stokes. A lot of clubs that come down with the parachute payments and everything don't seem from the outside to have the stability and the long-term vision that Stoke do. You, get, you gave Hughes time, you gave Pulis lots of time. And the other thing looking out the outside that I thought would appeal to the coach, certainly, is I remember when Pulis got the bullet that I think you were third in net spend, Mm. behind Manchester City and Chelsea when you were throwing all the money when they were throwing all the money around. And yet at the time he left I remember discussing it and the only players that I felt were worth ten million quid or more, which of course back then was a lot of money, were Begovic, Shawcross and Inzonzi. Whereas he has consistently coached players up to sell on for profit on what he's paid for them. I think the keynote example of that would be a guy called Isaac Fussell, who obviously was, when I first saw him after we signed from Truro City, he was very raw and didn't look like he was going to be a football league player and within 12 months he was quite frankly better at that stage than Andre Gray was when he left Luton Town. I'm not saying, obviously he then got a cruciate injury when he went to Burnham City very quickly, so we didn't really get to see, or certainly haven't as yet, whether his career path would continue continue in the same way. And I'm not certainly not saying he would ha have had the career at Andre Gray, but certainly the way he developed him was outstanding.
Mm. Uh, we've just been speaking to the D3, D4 podcast, and he talks uh, a lot about the, the style of play Jones had you playing with a four four two diamond. He said there's no better manager for getting full-backs to bomb on. I mean, how has it been for, for you as a fan watching them? I mean, it's a really exciting watch. I think it does rely on having particularly two very good full-backs who are playing wing-back are capable have the engine and the pace and the capability to play wing-backs in a, in a back four, which is obviously a very difficult job to do because you haven't got that third centre-half. Now, admitting the diamond, you do almost have a half-back in there, which he does like to have the deeper one as a good passer. Now, I'm not sure he's a traditional player in that area, but I imagine out of your squad, speaking as someone who is Welsh and watches all their games as well, Joe Allen would be the guy he would possibly see in that role uh, but like I say the fullbacks are key to that absolutely key to that and while he has used 4-3-3 on occasion within games when he's needed to change things up as it isn't working he is very much a disciple of it he implemented it very quickly after joining and that was very much I'm going to get players to fit the way I want to play so People like McCrane and Tom Ince, they've either got to work at being number 10s, like Kazenga he was trying to do after he signed him, or centre-forwards like Cornick, who was a winger when we signed him from Bournemouth. He's very much a centre-foot playing in the front two right now. So I would see probably see that as probably, say, Tom Ince's role, possibly, mm. he, if he was going to stay at the club. Whereas Bojan, obviously, would be much more of a number 10. And James McCrane... Uh, I'm not quite sure how he would fit in at all. Yeah, yeah, there's a uh, interesting to see how the Gary Rowett team adapts to a new formation, having played a very blunt four-three-three pretty much the the whole the whole way through the season. Uh, I just want to, uh, without you know upsetting you too much, give us a sense of the the situation when he first arrived at Luton, and then contrast that with the situation you're in now. Uh, well, obviously, John Steele had taken us out of the conference and basically generated a really good feeling about the club and totally refreshed fans' views on the club. It brought the club together at a time where we were looking like we could be stuck in very much non-league permanently, and he was brilliant at that and the club was much better for it. However, at the time he left the club, we'd had a great start in League Two, but faded very quickly in that first season and had continued that way in the second season, and there was a feeling he had taken us as far as he could go. So that's the situation when Jones came into the football club. Now, obviously not a lot happened at the end of that first season, uh, but he was very much one that, set about trying to implement his policy saying it would be a long-term thing and he he continued to build particularly on the energy that had been created by still of unity within the football club now in that sense his very tub thumping crop on speed-esque reactions in and around matches and particularly after matches were very good at that for a fan base like ourselves that got them on board very quickly and then results at the start of that second season 
very quickly fired immediately. Now, there were still issues, and there's issues there. I still think, although he's not as bad as he was at the time, he is too slow to make substitutions. It cost us a playoff semi-final the year before, but he still had an image in place. At the end of that playoff season, he decided he was going to try and bring the players in. He was going to, if we got promoted, he said, he's, he went into last season saying, I have brought the players I would have brought in if we had got promoted. And that they obviously combined to his vision. I think Nathan Jones is a man that players buy into a vision very easily. Now, how easy that is to do when it's your second club and you have moved, obviously, like Nathan has done, I don't know. Obviously, it's worked for Klopp. I don't know how it will be, how easy it will be for players to buy into that style. If they do, and they buy into him, and the fans can buy into him, it will very quickly be, bring a very positive atmosphere to that football club. Uh, that's that's definitely uh, fantastic to hear. Uh, just one quick thing before we go. Uh, obviously, uh, this kind of... Does this leave you guys in a particularly... Uh, awkward state because um, when Dean Smith left Brentford to join Aston Villa there was a lot of talk about how Brentford maybe had the set up to deal with that transition a bit more easily Smith had set up things with his with his coaching staff and all the rest of it so it wasn't really a, a huge shock that for for Brentford when he left do you, how do you anticipate things panning out in the short term at, at Luton I Honestly, don't know, because I believe Joaquin Gomez, who's the first-team coach he brought with him at the time, who he knows from Brighton and I think from Spain as well, because Jones had, obviously, uh, most of his early playing time in his career in Spain. And Steve Rutter, who has literally just joined the club, he might want to bring with him as well, because he's both had assistant managers throughout who kind of want to to be the calmness side to try and calm him down. So I don't know who actually is going to be left at the football club to even be in temporary charge. Now, like I say, there's also the case of, like I say, there's two planning permission meetings coming up that are bigger than anything on the pitch in the course of the next month. So I don't even know how the owners can go about concentrating on that and going about a long-term vision about appointing the right manager, even though their last two appointments have obviously been spot on. The other thing, obviously, it is January, and like I say, he gets players to buy into him, and we have a lot of players who are attracting a lot of interest, who are also bought in the vision, who are under the age of 26, who are very attractive. People like Harry Cornick, who obviously... There's rumours of Leeds bidding on. There's Perry Ruddock, who Leeds and Forest have been rumoured to bid on over the last couple of years. There's obviously the U-Team Academy graduate, James Justin, who is possibly the best fullback outside the football, outside the Premier League already, albeit that I would say he still has some positional sense issues. But he, in terms of playing in a Jones system and being able to get forward, and in one-on-one situations as a defender, he is second to none. Why would they want to leave the... Why would they want to stay at the club at this point when 
the entire project and vision was Nathan Jones and that's what they brought into. And we are in a month where those players could go and what's keeping them here? What's the project now to keep them here, here while we look for a new manager? There isn't one. So this is a very worrying month on the field, certainly. The one thing I do know is if those players do go, that Gary Sweet, the CEO, and the football club have an absolutely terrific track record of getting great deals and terrific sell-on clauses for players. Uh, we were still getting money from Andre Gray, I believe, up until he went to Watford. We obviously got massive sell-ons when Marriott went to, from Peterborough to Derby, and they're very good at adding sell-ons and things like that and maximising profit to turn those players over, but you can't keep replacing those players, and there doesn't... I can't... And obviously we've got three full-backs, and they're all attracting interest, Potts, Stacey as well. So if JJ goes, for example, what's... Yeah, we have Stacey and Potts, but what's behind them, and are they both going to stay, or what... If Perry goes, yes, we have a lot of attacking midfielders, but it isn't the same thing. We don't know what the new manager, whoever he wants... Do you want to play a diamond? It's very rare to play a diamond out here. So, come February the 1st, obviously, the off-the-field stuff we'll know a lot more about, and but also on the field, we'll know a lot more, hopefully, by February the 1st. It's just... That, I think, is also causing a lot of the current anger from a lot of Luton fans, is the kind of situation we've been left in the timing of it as much as anything and while i appreciate that like i said earlier i think nathan probably doesn't believe it was the perfect timing either he knows it's not but he also knew to him that if he waited till the perfect time does the perfect opportunity come along for him which i appreciate is probably a much more even-handed view than a lot of Luton fans are thinking at the minute uh, steve thank you very much for for joining us um uh, and thank you for for your honest insights on on Nathan Jones. Uh, honestly, I, I wish uh, Luton all the best for the rest of the season because uh, you, you're up there mixing it with Portsmouth, Charlton, and Sunderland right now. And uh, having been to Kenilworth Road as well, uh, I, I I I did fall in love with that stadium because it's a it's a cracking old ground. Like going into the away end in between rows of terraced houses I mean I, I'm a sucker for that stuff so I genuinely wish Luton all the best and uh, uh, thank you for Nathan Jones I suppose um, <laughs> all, all the best mate thank you very much